So, so please tell me your name. My name is Stuart O'Callaghan. Um, and where are we at the moment? We're in your own studio, University in the middle of Berlin. And where are you from? I've uh, been living in London for the last few years, but originally from just underneath that. Uh, born in West Sussex. And you, you are here now? Yeah, been here for two and a half, maybe three months, yeah. You liking it? Yeah, a lot. I, I still feel like I, I have a tendency to prioritise work quite a lot, so still trying to get that social life on the outside of it, but mm. I love the city so much. So I feel like if there's one, one thing, one word about you, it's draw. It's draw, draw, draw. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I really like to be productive. I really like to be productive. And I get, I, I, I don't know whether it's like a, because I'm an anxious person, I get really, uh, it, it, it's almost like a transference of my time and I don't feel like I'm wasting it. Like, I don't watch TV because I feel like I waste time. If I'm sat in a bath, yeah. I've got to be doing something, reading or writing or responding to emails. So whenever I've got five minutes, I, I just want to draw and just keep pushing and keep the practice up. So speaking of style, then you you waver in a few of them. Like you have a yeah. crossover. You have a more of a Japanese current Japanese uh, take, a modern Japanese take. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. To say. Sexually based tattooing a lot too. Yeah, one hundred percent. Subject matter wise, in particular. God, yeah. Because when I first got into tattooing, well, when I first took it seriously, um, like I wasn't just tattooing friends out of kitchens and doing that punk shit. When I was taking it full, full on. My mentor said to me, like, you've got to do everything. Because he came from like a really traditional American tattoo background where you work in a street shop, the doors open all the time. If somebody comes in, you've got to draw it on the spot. There's no excuses. So I had to be able to do script, black and gray, traditional, all this kind of stuff. Japanese wasn't really taught to me because it wasn't what he worked in. It took me a while to move into it. For the longest time, because of my own tastes back then, I found it hard to kind of conceptualize why somebody would commit such a large piece of their body to one image. And I think I've still struggled with that a bit, and that's why I just kind of stick to palm-sized pieces. That as well as I'm quite impatient. I like the payoff. <laughs> <laughs> I like doing everything in one go, get it done, really nice. But, uh, but yeah, like, and, and I really love erotic artwork a lot. Um, I really like the line between when it gets crass but it's still artistic and testing that line as well. Like how much fluorescent green cum can you put in a tattoo before people get weirded out? You know, that kind of stuff. So uh, you mentioned apprenticeship. You had one. Yeah, I did, which seems to be a disappearing thing, which is fine. I, I think the whole industry is changing and it's going way more intertwined with... I think people fear it's getting intertwined with fashion, but that's the clientele. The actual tattooers are getting entwined with fine art, which is why I think it causes a clash, because so many of us with traditional friendships don't have a fine art background, and I think we have a chip on our shoulder about that sometimes. Mm. I know I do. Very interesting. You know, like, uh, I, I did a science degree before I decided to give it up and do this, that like, I don't have an art background. Um, which is why I draw so much as well, I think, because I spent years not being allowed to draw, like, you know, not being given the option. Sure, I drawed at home, but I didn't have that freedom. So now that I have the chance and it's my job, I just enjoy it so much. So, um, at this moment, you've been tattooing how long? Well, the apprenticeship was two years, which was really tough, really tough. Um, because cause my, my mentor, Henry, came from that. LA background, you know, it, it was like hazing, you know, you, you 
got treated like shit on purpose. And I was a very different person before that procedure, so it, I, it paid off, but it, it didn't make it easy. And then uh, I finished that in 2013, I'd say. Like, at the beginning of 2013, that's when I was given walk-ins, given a bit more freedom. You know, I was kind of considered a, a full artist. I don't think I was doing very good tattoos, but I was doing things, you know, like tiny things and just getting the money, doing the names on the wrists, that stuff. So, it, you would say, would you say you function really well in the street studio and you pref almost prefer? Yeah, I definitely prefer it. I definitely prefer it. Uh, I think I prefer it because I really like meeting different people and um, I've always wanted a job that, that gave me that option. Like, uh, I have a tendency to be too insular on a personal level anyway, so when I go to work, I like to use that as a way to break out of my shell, be sociable, see other people, get their influences, kind of understand where they're coming from, that kind of thing. I, whenever I tattoo someone, I try my hardest. And not that it's disingenuine, but I genuinely want to uh, get to know them as much as possible, make sure they're having a fun time. Most people that come back to me come back because they said it was the most hilarious session they've had. I don't know if they even <laughs> like the tattoo, but, but at least like it, it, it's a really cool aspect of it, I think. So then, do you have a spot that you like to tattoo the most? Like, Do you mean on the body? Yeah, do you have a spot that you like? Yeah, yeah. Mainly laziness, really. I mean, like, lower leg, you know, you barely have to stretch it. Um, oh, where else do I like tattooing? Back of the arm, something about it. I think it just looks really flattering. Um, really like tattooing foreheads and like around the face. That's always a really good challenge. I really like the challenge sometimes where, mm. you know, you've, you've really got to nail it. And areas that have a good level of tension. You know, it's not too fatty, too soft where you're really having to work hard. You know, like that crease where the rib meets the stomach, mm. like... No, <laughs> I'm not into that stuff. Which is also why I like things that are palm-sized or hand-sized, because they're easier to place in that way, and you can kind of think about, okay, is the movement of the body going to distort the design on this point? Do I overlap on the shoulder just a touch? You know, that kind of thing. So it interacts the body with the design. So you must, I'm sure, because we've spoken about it, you do sexy tattoos in sexy places, yeah? <laughs> um, you must have had some... What's the most interesting sexy... Placement. Oh, that's a really good one. And scenario must have been in, in... I mean, there's been a couple, definitely. Like... Willies? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember during my time with Henry, we both... Well, I helped him tattoo a blind man's bullsack. That was, that was a really good experience. Um, really, really intense, but really reverent at the same time, because the guy was really cool and just sort of went with it, and it was his, his whole process. Um, Another fun one I've done is this guy that came in, this older chap, and he had got really into the piss scene. So he got, you, you know, like um, those little stick men on the piso mojado signs, the wet floor signs? Mm -hmm. He got those and there were like some on the front of his hips, right in the crease of the hip. And then there were some on the backs of his thighs, just where it meets his ass. And, and he, I had to draw them and it was fun. Like it was like one guy pissing another guy's mouth, another one pissing another guy's ass. And it was like, it was kind of that thing that I enjoy where it was borderline cute, but also had like a really serious edge to it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I really, I really dig that. So then the current studio here? Yeah, so, so currently I'm working in Wieselstrasse, Unicat, which has been a really cool experience to, to be honest, try something different. When I first got here, um, I was in for Immer, where I'm going back to, really love it there. The guys are really cool, inspirational, great 
like library and mentality and just just everything I love about a tattoo shop. And uh, and I went direct to them when I got there as well. And I'm um, really, really grateful that I got that opportunity and that we'll carry it on. But at Unicat, it was a nice way to kind of take a break from that scene because it can be quite involving and it's a way more relaxed space. It's way more of a female-led space. And it's been a really good... A good way to test how tattooing is moving and changing because I think unless you interact and engage with the way it's changing you're going to get left behind anyway you kind of create that cross cross platform so this I have your political life is is it a bit more uh, accessible here because mm. yeah I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm kind of political um but then I think I don't know whether it's political or just standing up for your morals, which I guess maybe some people would see as political. I think I think having an action somehow makes it political, and also having a loud mouth, which I which I definitely have. Uh-huh. Maybe. Yeah. So then, what about queerness? Uh, your queer life here. My my queer life here is still developing. I guess. I mean, it's one of the reasons I actually moved to Berlin. So in in London, all the queer spaces are being shut down. All the bars are disappearing. There's a heavy level of control going on. You know, a lot of the spaces now to survive are working in straight environments, which is fine. But I think queer environments that are exclusively queer are also beneficial to people that don't fall into the binary of gender or representation. Some people don't necessarily feel as comfortable in those spaces. And also it's nice to be in a space that isn't necessarily based around hedonism or nightlife because some people, a lot of people in the queer world have had issues with substances or their own thresholds and sometimes it's nice to not have to, you know, go to a bar at 4am just to meet other queers. So that's another reason why I try and bring it into my tattoo work, with you especially, um, to kind of be more... I don't want to say I'm proud, but just be more visible. I think, I think sometimes just being visible in the life you lead can have a really strong impact on other people that you may not even ever come to learn, but it gives them some way to identify and acknowledge that they have possibilities open to them. I think since we've started doing the Queer Tattoos thing, and I try and support you so much with it, and then, and then I see you know, queers all around the world connecting through it. I see queers getting shop jobs and like really getting the support that they wanted. And it's, uh, I don't want to say like I'm the big gay uncle of it, it's never the role or impression, but it's just really cute to see other people connecting and having a broader network. Mm. I didn't think that was going to happen at all. Yeah, right? Um, rituals, you must have some morning rituals. You mean like in my everyday life? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so, actually. What gets you off, Stuart? Uh, what gets me off or gets me focused? <laughs> <laughs> Very different things. <laughs> I think, <clears throat> I think I have rituals for maybe both actually, but the ones that get me up and get me focused in the morning, I mean just, just, just a general, general get up, have a coffee kind of stuff, but then um, I think the joy of being a tattooer is you start your day later, you have more time to prepare yourself for how you want yeah. to present <laughs> yourself in the day, and uh, there's definitely like personal rituals for that. My family actually, I guess, influenced my sense of personal ritual anyway. I've got a really mixed religious background family. My granddad was Mormon, quite a lot of my family are quite strong Christians, my dad's Catholic, my nan's a practicing witch. And I think through all of that, the idea of uh, rituals, totems and stuff like that has kind of seeped into my head quite a bit. Like even some of my tattoos are just direct totems taken from different arcane things, just, just, just as a reminder really, as a perspective. Music, tell me. 
Ooh, uh, oh, that's, that's, that's a good question. Oh, I swear, like, music, music while you tattoo, music at home. Yeah, well, um, funny thing is, in, in a tattoo store, because, because I don't work, I'm kind of loud, I accidentally dominate space, like, it's not intentional. And then when I get home, I'm, I don't really say a word, and I just listen to music, and I'm a much quieter person. So, m music is definitely something that I uh, obsess over, I think. There's like a few albums I listen to on repeat. Because I have autism and because I get very obsessed with things anyway, it's kind of fun for me because I get to listen to the same album five times a day every day with different customers, but each customer only hears it once. So I get to just enjoy my routine and it's like they're just inserting into the routine I have. Mm. Uh, which is also really good when you're doing a tattoo and if you're anxious or whatever, you can put on a routine that you know makes you feel comfortable and you insert the person into that and it kind of gives you this framework to do your job. So you actually listen to a record five times a day while tattooing in a space of other people? If I had the option. Oh my God, Stuart, I would kill you. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so at the moment, Brexit is oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. a hot topic and do you have a lot to say about it? Yeah, I do. I mean, I really do. Uh, obviously, I'm... No, I'm not going to say bias. I'm not biased. I believe in what I say. I don't think it's biased because I think it's logical. Um, the Brexit is a stupid thing. Uh, not just economically, politically, all this kind of stuff. I mean, people forget Europe was the biggest peace treaty in a long time. It kind of brought all the countries together. And I think, obviously, the European Union grew into something bigger than we kind of had, had plans for as a process. But what we've ended up with is a functioning unit which allows free movement of work and travel, this kind of stuff. And then as an English person, kind of, I don't know, yeah, embarrassed about the, the, I knew England was kind of racist before leaving and it has this incredible xenophobia to people that come into the country. And because we have an inherent class system, anybody that comes into the country and clearly isn't native gets treated as lower regardless. No matter how successful they are, whatever they do. A friend of mine's just moved there from America and because he has dark skin, he's getting treated horribly and he's not really enjoying it so much. And, um, and that's one of the reasons I moved away and I could see what was going to happen with Brexit. I could see it on the horizon and I wanted to be in Germany before it happened, just in case it did. And then it would be easier to get conversion visas, all this kind of stuff. But the most embarrassing thing is... Now the rest of Europe, seeing the way that England acts, the way they pick their representatives, the way that they are, and then being that one person that has to justify it. As a, I mean, as a white man, there's not many times you're really called out on shit and you have to justify That's a population. True. And it's, it's really humbling and it's a good experience, but it's funny people, now I'm in this country, turning around and asking me personally why my country did something. Even though I obviously don't represent those values because I'm here, but people very much very push that on me. Yeah. yeah, very interested and very scathing. And they have a right to be. I mean, they totally have a right to be. They, and it's, it's kind of funny. And also the level of people being disgruntled at my level of German, even though I've only been here a couple of months. Every time I understand a lot of German and I'm learning to reply, but every time I falter, people instantly realise I'm British and they're like, you should learn the language. It's like, yeah, yeah I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting there. But there, there's this kind of, it's tilted it a little bit and there's less, uh, less, less friendliness. So with the travels upcoming, do you think you're going to hit the road or like this is home base? Yeah. So <coughs> have you travelled in the past to do guest spots? Uh, yeah, a couple, but not a lot. Like, I mean, I think because I'm still kind of fresh in tattooing, 
as part of my apprenticeship, I was taught to stay in one place, build up a clientele, yeah. see your work return, see that you're getting better. Because if you're constantly on the road, it's hard to see how things are healing, you know? Um, so I really put that time in. And also because I did an apprenticeship, like I felt like I owed my mentor something. I had to spend those years paying him back. Not financially, but time and, and loyalty. But after we parted ways, yeah, I traveled a bit. I did a couple of other spaces in London, went to Brighton, obviously came here, worked at different shops. And then I'm maybe going to America soon. Um, and then Sweden, uh, I've got a friend there and I really want to visit him and tattoo there as well. Queer tattooing, what does that mean to you? Queer tattooing. It's such a, queer in itself is such an umbrella term, which is a positive thing. I think it's a great thing that it can encompass so many different aspects. And I think for me, queer tattooing equally as an umbrella um, can mean the tattooer, it can mean the client, it can mean uh, the content. But for me personally, the overall thing that I enjoy about it is it means a queer person will feel comfortable whilst getting their tattoo. That's the most important thing to me. I, I think generally in heterotype society, people don't understand how difficult it is to go into spaces, be visibly queer, be scared of that feedback, and then especially when you're getting a tattoo, when you're gonna be anxious anyway. You know, I wanna provide people the chance to just relax and feel comfortable and feel appreciated and feel understood. and. I think sometimes with queer stuff, even if you don't understand someone, you just have to respect you don't understand. And, that, and that's the difference. You must have many other practices in the day, or do you even have time? Like, do you, <laughs> do you put your creativeness into... Do you know what? Not, not, not really. Which is, which is a funny thing that it's come up now with the Brexit, and obviously the idea of if I get a visa here, I'm probably going to get an artist visa and prove that I have different kind of practices or incomes. Thankfully, I'm half Irish, so I'm just trying to get an Irish passport instead, but because I don't have an art background, I didn't get three to five years to explore my artistic things. When I was in college, so British college, which stops around 15, 16, no, sorry, 16, 17, um, I did one year of art and then my family stopped it. They were like, no more. My tutors were begging me to carry on because I had a natural talent for fine art painting. I was painting people and things. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, there just wasn't really the path open to me at the time. So, uh, I don't really have many side practices, but I'm now getting to the point where I'm confident enough in my tattooing that I have the mental space for it. Mm. I don't know if I have the physical time yet, I'd have to make the time. Um, and because I come from a walk-in shop mentality, my idea is to be in the shop all the time, even if you don't have an appointment. So it's kind of unlearning that and realizing I can be a bit more self-directed in how I devote that time. And I was thinking about printmaking or going back to fine art painting. And this whole social media whirlwind that's happening, uh, I've noticed yeah. kind of a crash, or at least a slow decline in interest. Have you noticed that with your own? Uh, do you mean the way in which people are, how much people are asking to get tattooed, or have you noticed like a yeah a blanket? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right in that sense of there's a decline in the amount of people asking to get tattooed. I think people with this uh, explosion of social media is now surface level interactions are seen as permissible. You know, in, in general, 
if somebody <coughs> just came up to you and was just like, hey, I like your work, you'd be like, yeah, cool, but that's a very surface level thing. And now it's become so disposable and people think that's interaction, you get a million likes, whatever it is, but you don't get a lot of in-depth feedback, people telling you why they like their work, having a conversation about it, asking if they're going to get it. I think another thing that's actually a big problem in tattooing, and I've seen it with a lot of tattooers, is because we have this uniform platform that we all use now of Instagram or websites or whatever it is, and because of the way television works and because of the way that everybody's seen an increase in tattooing in general, people assume we're a hell of a lot busier than we are. And that's really strange to me because rather than people just just being genuine and asking and being like, so when can I get tattooed? You know, that kind of thing. I get people messaging me and I've only just moved to the country and people are like, oh, I bet you booked up for months. I'd love to be. But, but, but like, I'll work. Never been. Yeah, exactly. Like... I work, I work a lot and I like to work a lot. I'll work until midnight because I like to get the tattoo down as quickly as possible. So, yeah, to people out there, just fucking ask, I'll tattoo you. <laughs> so, uh, coffee or tea? Uh, this reminds me of a really good YouTube video that I have to show you where this like woman in her 50s obviously got some money out somewhere and made a whole song, Coffee or Tea or Be With Me. We will get to that. But... Uh, yeah, coffee. I'm a, I'm a real big coffee drinker. But, obviously I'm English, so I always have a place for tea. So, pizza or pasta? <laughs> <laughs> well, seeing as I'm wheat intolerant and lactose intolerant, um, uh, and I, I'm going to drill that into you so you remember one day. I, that's uh, why I asked you. <laughs> yeah. I promise I remember. <laughs> so my answer would be gluten-free pizza or corn pasta, I guess, and a uh, pasta. Pasta would always be the one. If you could, if you had the choice, would you be gluten free or dairy free? Like if you could just, Ooh. if you just had an intolerance for one of them, which would you prefer? That's a real good question. Um, probably gluten, hey. If you could eat gluten again. Yeah, I, 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 I would take gluten and wheat back because that's bread, yeah. cake, pasta, pasta. <laughs> and and like I love pasta and really heavy foods anyway, and like. Uh, we'll go get some after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and just give me a dark room to lay down in forever. Um, and, uh, and also being in Berlin, you know, like every other shop is a bakery. And everything is like that. So like it's, it's kind of frustrating being in the city of beer and bread. And I, I can't have any of it. You prefer, if you were to have a pet, it'd be a dog or a cat? Oh, these are real good like first date questions. I'm loving this. Um... Uh, I have an issue, okay, this is going to sound really lame, but I, I kind of actually have an issue with domestication of animals and using animals for emotional, um, like, leverage and stuff, and their dependence. So, in a way, I actually kind of prefer out of the two cats, because they're way more independent. You feed a cat, it does its own thing, if you're lucky, it'll come up and headbutt you to say it likes you. You know, whereas with a dog, I think, to me, it's, it's too much of an emotional weight, Plus, I don't like picking up hot shit in my hand, so for that reason as well, like with dogs, even with friends and partners, like I'm kind of way more down with people that you maybe don't see them for a week, and when you do, it's just like, hey, rather than somebody that's there every day being like, hey, how you doing, how you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Freddie Mercury or Elton John? Whew. Um, yeah, sorry, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to peek at the questions. Uh, Freddie Mercury. I... Uh, I knew that you were going to say that. Oh, you did? Okay, before I answer... I'd say Elton John. That's why I asked. Do you know what? Like, the reason why I say Freddie Mercury is... I think, in a way, he was kind of a trailblazer 
for being an immigrant, for being so outlandish, this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I love Elton John for the way that the public tried to shame him about his queerness and he continued and managed to take control of that. Mm. And they continue to do so in England. There was just a story about how him and his partner have an open relationship or someone slept with someone else and they tried to shame it in a really uh, queer-shaming way. And, uh, you know, he's managed to withhold a lot of that. Aww. Plus also he really likes feathers and rhinestones and who doesn't get into that? I was going to say Liberace, but I was like, eh. <laughs> um, so... Prince or Morrissey? That's a hard one. No, it's not. I really don't like Morrissey. Um, Prince, all the way. Because I've seen Morrissey perform live. Yeah. And it was one of the most boring experiences of my life. I really love some of the early songs, like Hand in Glove, and I really love that kind of stuff. And I really love the, uh, the very British suggestive, like, wink and nudge kind of side of it, definitely. But when I was watching him live and he was on stage just droning away and then he's like, oh, I guess you guys want another song. I was like, yeah, that's why they were fucking here. Like, just get on with it. And, and then he said the thing about, like, the slaughter of animals is worse than the kids being, like, killed in, what was it, like, Sweden or Norway or something. I, I, I just find him a really difficult person to swallow. And Prince, let's forget about the fact he went super Christian and, like, really against queer stuff later on in life and just in, think about the earlier years. And uh, I really love that kind of music anyway. I really love that like electro crossover, especially with R&B. And, and that's kind of where I first got into music, through R&B and soul and like Stax and Volta and that kind of stuff. Before then, I didn't really know music until I found this uh, CD that was just called Blues Brother Soul Sister. Found it in my mom's CD collection, left behind by an ex-boyfriend, that kind of thing. Put it in and it had like the Staple Singers, Otis Redding, all that kind of stuff. And the first time I heard it, I just fucking loved it. So, <clears throat> meeting men, apps, or real life? Real life, real life, real life, real life. Um, only because I'm kind of a weird guy, and not in a self-deprecating way, I'm just... Uh, I mean, a friend of mine recently, we were in a gay bar, and he was just sort of... decided to tell me everything that was wrong with my dating. And, uh, That's <laughs> just, helpful. Yeah, right? Just really go for the throat. And, uh, you know, and he was just like, you're a really complicated person. It's like, yeah. You hand that out in your business card. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, relationship status is just is complicated with me. Um, but, it, I mean, also I'm super impatient. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in pheromones, physical contact. There's some proper magic between two people when it's right, you know? Like, and you can feel it immediately. And I think sometimes the longer you spend trying to contact someone online or you sustain that online period for too long, you end up creating a falsehood of who you want that person to be. So when you see them, you're projecting rather than just accepting. And, uh, and you projected yourself on them too. Oh yeah, 100%. You know, you, you've, you've sold them this kind of weird, <laughs> super interesting, super laid back person. Imposed. And I, yeah, and I'm not. Super I'm, imposed. Yeah, I'm anxious, neurotic, I like my personal space. You know, like, it's, it's good somebody sees that up front. Also, I've been told my eyes are beautiful and they're not going to get that in a picture. There you go. I mean, it depends how good your selfie stick is. Ah, uh, yeah, true. <laughs> I've never owned a selfie stick. Selfie stick skills, I mean. Yeah, exactly. The closest thing I've had to a selfie stick is just resting my phone on the end of my dick. I don't have one of those things. Mm. I'm not into that. Thank you very much, Stuart. Hey, it was a pleasure. So, uh, let's go tattoo you. Yeah, God, now the real stuff. Ah, it'll be easy. Thank you, Stuart.
And really, thanks for being some a big part of Queer Tattoos. That's been huge. It's been one of my highlights in the whole tattoo thing, or anything I've physically put time and energy into supporting you with it. It was really nice. I don't even remember how it started, but I'm so happy that you are... I, th- I think maybe it started by me fangirling on your work a bit, and then it kind of became more, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dude.